0: Well, good morning, Destiny Church. Thanks for tuning in again to Church Online, wherever you're at, whether you're in your living room or your bedroom or another room of the house, on your phone, tablet, computer, on the TV screen. I just wanna thank you for welcoming us and me into your home today. You know, usually uh, we're we're coming in, we're gathering here in, in our church home together And it's always a great privilege when we're able to do that. But I want to thank you for inviting me into your home today. It actually means a lot to me that you would tune in. And I know that the reason why you're tuning in is because you care about God's Word. You're tuning in to hear what God has to say to you today. And I know that God has something wonderful for you today from the Bible. We're in a series going through the book of Acts together and we're in Acts chapter four today. We're making progress. We're getting through this great book of the Bible together. And so we're gonna be in Acts chapter four and we're continuing a series of of messages that really started last week and that is looking at this amazing event that started in Acts chapter three Where Peter and John went to worship, and and they healed a man in the name of Jesus who had been lame since he was born, and he was about 40 years old. And so I told you last week that, that this story was in four parts, and we looked at the first two parts last week. Last week, we looked at the first part, which was this amazing miracle that had happened. We looked at what happened after the miracle, which was that a crowd gathered. People were in awe and wonder and asking, what is all of this about? As this man was running and leaping and praising God, all of this commotion. And so people came together and we saw that what Peter did when the crowd assembled was that he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. That was the second part. Now, today, we're moving into the third part where we're going to see what happened next in this story. So I want to thank you for tuning in today. We're going to jump right into God's Word as it is the thing that we need to ground us in the troubled times that we are in. Before we turn to God's Word, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that you are a God who speaks. Lord, though we may have so many voices in our life, help us to hear your voice today. Lord, all of the voices and all of the news and all of the media and all of the different reports, Lord, we've gathered here today to hear the good news, to hear the greatest news, to hear from your word, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only news that can save us. So Lord, we don't look to man for the answers. We don't look to government or the economy. Lord, we look to you for the answer. Lord, all of the questions that we may have in our lives, you're the only one that has the answers. And so Lord, today we don't look within, ourselves for the answers. We don't look on the outside for the answers. Lord, today we look up to you. So speak to us and speak to our hearts today that we would live faithfully as your people in this day and age that you've called us and purposed and planted us in this season to shine bright for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Acts chapter 4 is where we are today, and I am going to read the whole passage, and then we will walk through it together. It says, as they were speaking to the people, that's Peter and John, they're, they're preaching this sermon to the crowd, as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. And they were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already the evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed. And the number of the men came to be about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants years old. This is an incredible story. Today we're looking at the third part of this story. This is the reactions that people had to the miracle that had happened and the preaching that Peter and John were doing. And so today I want to look at four things. I want to draw your attention to to only four things in this passage. There's, of course, much more that we could get into, but we're going to limit our time today to four specific things that I believe God wants us to see today. And the first one is this. When we look at the reactions that different groups had to what had happened in the preaching that Peter and John were doing, the first thing I want you to see is that faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. And in, in verse 4, it says that many of those who had heard the word, that's the sermon that Peter preached in Acts chapter 3, many who heard the word believed. They had faith And the number of men came to be about 5,000. This is the church growing and expanding rapidly because the apostles and the church are preaching constantly. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God that there were those who, who heard the message and they received it in faith and, and they, they were given the faith to believe and to trust in Jesus. And this word hearing, it's not just talking about sound waves going into your ears. It's more than just having open ears. What hearing means, it's about having an open heart. Not just open ears, but but an open heart. You know, I've been going uh, with my children and our family devotion time, we've been looking at the parable of the farmer who went out to sow seed, this parable that Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 13. And with my family, we've been spending some time walking through that parable and, and teaching it to, that, to, to our kids at dinner time. And in this parable, Jesus tells the story of a, a farmer who goes out and he, and he sows seed. And in this parable, there's four different types of soil or, or four different places where the seed falls. And there's only one type of soil that the seed falls and, and produces a crop or produces a harvest, produces lasting fruit. And when Jesus' disciples come in and they they question him about Lord, what does this parable mean?" Jesus says, "Well, actually, the four types of soil they're actually four types of hearts. what well, what the soils represent is is the different conditions of people's heart, and what the seed represents it it represents the word of God, it represents the teaching and the preaching of the gospel that, that goes forth. And and when that happens, that there's actually different heart conditions that people have. Not talking about their physical heart, of course, but, but that place in their soul and in their spirit, who you are as a person, that there's different places that people are at, and, and that some people are open, their hearts are open to receive the word of Christ, to receive the gospel. And And when our hearts are open, the gospel goes in and God's word goes in and and the result is faith. Faith is what is produced and and that faith, it it begins to work its way out into every area of our lives. And so we're taught to to work out our salvation and and that that our faith in Christ, it, it starts on the inside like a little seed, the word of God being planted within us. But if our hearts are open begins to produce much fruit in our lives. And so we see that that in this, there were some people who who not only received the word with their ears, but they received it with their heart. It's not just hearing the word with your ears, it's receiving it in your heart. A listening to the word that's being preached, a, a heeding, if you will, Now, I know that when we instruct our children in things, that there is a a hearing that they hear us, you know, go clean up your room, go wash the dishes, take out the trash, stop hitting your sister. You know, all of the instructions that we give, there's a hearing with their ears, but what I'm more concerned about is the heating in their heart, and this is what it means when it says that, that a great many of them heard the word, they received the word with gladness into their hearts and the result was faith. And so the question to you is, do you have an open heart? Is your heart open to receive the Word of God. If it is, I know that the result will be faith and that your faith will continue to grow and it will produce good fruit, the fruit of the Spirit of love and joy and peace and goodness and and patience, even in this time where we're self-quarantined on top of one another, that the fruit of the Spirit, if we have an open heart. The the second thing I, I want to point out to you the first, of course, being faith comes by hearing, but, but the second is that seeing is not believing. There's this phrase that we use in our culture where we say, well, seeing is believing. If I can see it with my eyes, I'll, I'll believe it in, in my heart. But, but this is not the way it works in, in spiritual matters. And as we look at verse 16, these, these rulers, they actually have a, a totally different reaction than the crowd had, that the, the, the leaders, the, the priests, the, the Sadducees, the, the scribes, that they had a totally different reaction. In verse 16, it said they, they, they get together, they confer with one another, and they say, what shall we do with these men? For a notable sign has been performed through them And this is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. They say, this man, we all knew this man. He was 40 years old. He's been lame since his mother's womb. He comes and he begs every single day. It's so evident that a miracle has been performed in the name of Jesus. What shall we do to to get them to stop preaching in Jesus' name? You see, they had seen the same miracle, but they had a different reaction because their hearts were closed to the word of God. Their hearts were closed to the gospel. And, and the Puritans, they used to have this saying, they, they had this saying that went, the same sun that melts the ice is the same sun that hardens the clay. And that's just another way of saying that there's different types of hearts out there. There's those hearts that melt under the preaching of the gospel, like we saw in Acts chapter two, brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? And, And Peter says, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. But there's other hearts that were mocking and here we see that there's other hearts that are, are trying to stop these things from happening, even though they see it with their own eyes. In verse 2 of chapter 4, it says, they were greatly annoyed at this. That this was getting on their nerves, the, the work of the church and, and, and the freedom of Christ and, and redemption and, and healing that the, for those who are religious, for those who are only concerned about themselves and their own priorities and their own positions of prominence, and they see Jesus as a threat to their own glory and their own power and their own pride, they find the church to be in a nuisance, to be a threat to them being the, the center of their lives. And this is not an intelligence problem. These are smart People. It's not a problem with their brain. It's a problem with their heart. And what this means is that it is a a spiritual condition. These people have hard hearts and it is a spiritual problem. It defies logic and natural reason. Logic and natural reason would would cause someone to, to see the miracle. I've seen this logic and natural reason would cause me to say, I should believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at what is happening. Look at the power. Look at what's being done. I should believe the message that these people are bringing. That would be logic and natural reason. But because of the spiritual condition of their closed and hard hearts, Their actions defy logic and natural reason. And what we find as we continue into the New Testament in Romans chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 4, we find that that there's a, a spiritual hardening that takes place in people's hearts and it begins to even cause their minds to malfunction. Because they have hardened their hearts in such a way, it twists the way that they think. Listen, dear friend, do not harden your heart against the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do not harden your heart against the church. Do not harden your heart against God. You will even twist the way that you think so that you're not even able to think things the right way. What this tells us is that this is a a spiritual battle. That This is a spiritual issue. This is not an issue of evidence. This is not a natural issue. That, that is so clear, and it's so clear and even evident to them. They say this is so clear and obvious. The whole city knows it. It's even obvious to us. We cannot deny it, yet we choose not to believe. That's a spiritual battle, friends. And many of our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, our family members, our loved ones are in the same place. They've hardened their heart against the gospel. And so there's one thing, there's one weapon that we have in our arsenal, and that is prayer. This is why we must be praying For those who have hardened their hearts, those who have chosen to not receive the gospel, we must be interceding for them. We must be standing in the gap for them, that God would soften their hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Only God can soften a heart. And so, prayer is so important. Prayer is so essential Ephesians 6, 12, Paul writes, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4 says, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. For the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to to demolish strongholds. Listen, we need to be interceding for those, our loved ones. We need to be taking them before the throne of God. That's the first thing, the first tool in our arsenal, the first weapon is prayer. It's not about presenting the right arguments to them. It's not a matter of logic. It's not a matter of intelligence. It's a matter of the heart. These are spiritual matters. And so we have to use spiritual weapons to fight a spiritual battle. So the first thing, faith, it comes by hearing. And it comes to open hearts. The second is that seeing is not always believing. The third thing I want to draw your attention to is that after this happens, what does Peter do? Again, Peter preaches. Again, Peter preaches another sermon. They come and and Peter's preaching to the crowd and and they're annoyed by this and, and it's almost night and so they arrest them, they throw them in jail, they sit in jail overnight for preaching the gospel. They bring them out the next morning, they inquire of them. They say, tell us about what's going on here. And what does Peter do? Verse eight. It says, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit began to admonish them, exhort them, to teach them, to address them. He preached to them. He preached to them. Rulers, the people of the elders. He he addresses them. He, He begins to proclaim again the gospel this is already the third sermon that we have in the book of acts where there's a miracle there's a crowd there's an there's an audience and what do the apostles do they stand up and they preach and if it wasn't evident to you before it should be abundantly clear now that the early church was a preaching church they were a preaching church that, that they took every single opportunity that they had, not just to share the gospel, but to preach the gospel. And there exists in our day and age uh, an aversion to, to preaching, a, 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 a reticence, a, 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 an appetite that's not there, uh, hearts that are not open to To the word of God being preached even among Christians. And especially the kind of preaching that Peter is doing. The kind of preaching that, that Peter is doing is hardcore. It is in your face. It is confrontational. It is convicting. Peter's sermons, they are offensive. The words that that he, he uses, calling out people's sin, calling out their wrongdoing, calling it out clearly, and calling them to repent of their sin and to trust in Christ. This is confrontational. This is convicting. This is in your face. This is Hardcore, this is offensive. One thing that this is not is it's not politically correct. It's not politically correct at all. And in fact, in verse 12, he mentions there's no other name by which we can be saved under heaven except the name of Jesus Christ. There's not many ways to God. There's one way. If if you're trying to go any other way than through Jesus, you're on your way to destruction. You're not following God. You're following the devil. This is not a politically correct message and of every single sermon that we've seen Peter preach, he goes after them with boldness, and there exists in our day this attitude of, of, of not wanting to offend people, and Peter preaches with clarity, conviction, cutting words. There's no confusion about his message. There's no ambiguity in what he's saying. There's no room for misunderstanding. The implications are clear. This is what will will happen if you receive Christ. This is what will happen if you receive my message, Peter says. But if you don't, you're on your way to hell. He, He doesn't mince words. He doesn't leave things open to interpretation, and again, as I said, there are even those who are Christians who do not have an appetite for this type of preaching. We say, well, we don't want people to be offended. We don't want people to be uncomfortable. Let me tell you the the worst thing that you could ever do is make someone comfortable on their way to hell. The worst and most unloving thing that you could ever do to someone is make them feel comfortable on their way to hell. And Peter is so clear here that there's only salvation in one name. It's Jesus Christ. He's the only one that's paid the price for sin It's only through faith in Him that we can have our sins forgiven. It's only through faith in Him that our relationship with God can be restored, that our hope can be secured, that eternal life is granted to us. There are not many ways to God. There is one. His name is Jesus. There were even those in the first century who wanted to move away from this kind of preaching, who wanted to go into a more seeker-sensitive type of ministry, And so Paul writes, and he stands up, and in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he says clearly, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. If I refuse to preach the gospel because I'm afraid of offending people, no one will be saved because it is the gospel that is the power of God. To salvation. And so, you and I, dear brother and sister, let us not be ashamed. Let us, like the first century church, like the apostles, let us embrace the gospel. Let us embrace what some people call foolish. Let us embrace what is a, a stumbling block to others. But to us who are being saved, the gospel is the very power of God. Let, let us embrace preaching. Let us embrace boldness. Let us embrace the clear proclamation of the gospel. Notice here that it says that before Peter began to speak that he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. These are the kinds of sermons that you should expect from someone who is a spirit-filled preacher. You shouldn't expect something that just makes you feel good no someone who's filled with the power of the holy spirit you should expect that it's something that will break your heart that it will bring you under conviction before a righteous and holy god that will instruct you and teach you and help you to live a a holy and righteous life becoming more and more like christ each and every single day There's this saying that goes like this. It says, hard preaching, like Peter's doing, hard preaching produces soft hearts, but soft preaching produces hard hearts. The early church was not content to let any opportunity to share the gospel pass them by. Peter here, put on trial, thrown in jail, arrested overnight. It's our opportunity to shine. It's our opportunity to share. It's our opportunity to preach the gospel. They weren't just thinking about how quickly they could get out of this situation. They had an eternal perspective. And and I just wonder, as we continue to study the book of Acts, We continue to see that the the early church, the apostles, the leaders, that they didn't miss not one opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they knew and they understood fully well that this was their mission, that this was their purpose, that this is the reason that God had placed them on the earth and in these situations. And so they knew and they were ready. And every time and every moment that they had an opportunity to share the gospel, they took it and i have to wonder how many opportunities do we let slip through our fingers how many opportunities we let to share the gospel fall through the cracks i told you the first tool we have in our arsenal against people with hard hearts is prayer but the second tool is the preaching of the gospel preaching of God's Word. The fourth that I want to draw your attention to today, the fourth point is that there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. What did Peter and John say to the lame man? Silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Even the rulers, the Sadducees, the Council, even they recognize that there is power in Jesus' name. This is why in verse 18 they called them together and they charged them: do not speak to or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Listen, guys, you can can continue your ministry. Keep doing what you're doing. We like the way you're feeding the poor. We like the way you're taking care of the widows. We, We like some of the social programs that you're doing. Keep doing that. Just censor the name of Jesus. Just stop preaching and teaching about Jesus. There's power in Jesus' name. There's power in Jesus' name. And the, the, everybody here in this story recognizes it. The people that are for it and the people that are against it. And so they try to keep them. They warn them. They say, if you keep preaching in Jesus' name, watch out. We're, we're coming after you. They charged them. Do not preach in Jesus' name. And what did the disciples say? Well, well, should we obey God or should we obey you? We're gonna obey God. So they let them go. And we're gonna see what they did next. Can, Can you guess? Let me tell you, they keep preaching in Jesus' name. Listen, the same forces that were at work, the same religious spirits, the same powers of darkness that were trying to stop Uh, The the church from preaching in the name of Christ are the same forces that are at work in our day today. This is why prayer has been removed from schools. This This is why if you go anywhere and you open up a Bible, you used to be able to go into restaurants, but if you would go into a restaurant or a coffee shop and open your Bible, there's people who stare at you like you're an alien Listen, there there is power there, and people see it, and they recognize it, whether they like it or not. And There are powers at work, dark forces, spiritual forces that try to keep the name of Jesus and the gospel from being proclaimed, and you and I, brothers and sisters, we must never bow to those forces because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name above every name. So let us make a dedication today that in all that we do, whether eat or drink, we do all to the glory of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Listen, I pray that many of you are are being salt and light in this season, that you're reaching out to people, that you're checking on your neighbors, that that if you see people in need, that that you're reaching and, and, and you're meeting and helping meet those needs, but do it in the name of Jesus. Take an opportunity to share the hope that we have in the midst of these hopeless situations, and share the gospel, and preach, and love, and serve, and give, knowing that faith comes by hearing, and hearing the Word of God. Peter here has one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. He's he says this, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. If you're listening to me today and you do not know where you stand with God, you're not a Christian, you haven't been a believer, you've been going your own way, listen, you must be saved. It's not that you can be saved through Jesus Christ. You must be saved through him. There's no other way. I know that there are other people who say there are many ways to God. Do not be deceived. There is only one way to God, and it's through faith in Jesus Christ. There's only one name given among men by which we must be saved. Listen, dear friend, if you are not a Christian, today is your day. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Do not be like these leaders who clearly saw God at work, yet they hardened their hearts. It produced a malfunction of their mind. Do not be like them. That is the pathway to destruction, That is the pathway to death. That is the pathway to hell. There is a narrow road to heaven. His name is Jesus. He came and lived a perfect life without sin. He died on a cross to pay the price for your sin. And on the third day, he rose again to new life in victory, conquering Satan, sin, death, and hell. And you, right now, can have your sins forgiven by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Call out to God for salvation. Don't let another moment pass you by. Today could be your last day on planet Earth. If you died in this moment and you stood before God, what would you say to him? Righteous and holy God, would you stand condemned in your sins? Or would you stand forgiven by the grace of God in Jesus Christ? Listen, God offers salvation to you because of his love for you through grace. It's a gift we receive by faith. We can't earn it. We can't pay for it. We simply receive it. The Bible says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you will, right here, right now, I don't know where you're at, but God sees you right now. If you will, call out to him and say, I am choosing Christ. I am putting my faith in Jesus. God, forgive me of my sin. I repent of my sin. Save me. God will save you right now, right where you sit. He'll give you a new life. He'll take your sin. He'll take your shame. He'll take every wrong thought you've ever thought. He will apply it to Jesus Christ. And from Jesus Christ, he will take the righteousness of God and clothe you in it so that you will have a new life. Friend, call out to God today and let him save you. Destiny family, it's so been so great to be in your, in your home again. Thank you for inviting me in. I'm praying for you this week. I want you to know the leaders and the pastors, we love you. We care for you. If there's anything that we can do to serve you, please call us. Please let us know. We're here for you in this time. We're here for you in this season. Let us know and be confident that faith comes by hearing the word of God that we're called to share the gospel and let us know that there is power in the name of Jesus. Listen, if you need prayer for anything today, we have our Zoom prayer teams ready to go. We'd love to pray with you. Father, I thank you for our time together. I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for those who have heard the gospel today. Lord, I pray that their hearts are opened to receive it. And that you would produce faith and bring forth righteousness, salvation. Lord, for your people who have gathered to hear your word, I pray that our resolve to live for you in this day has been strengthened. Lord, give us wisdom as we continue to navigate this time and this season. Lord, we do not worry or fear because we know that you have all things under control. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.